The world of Horizon is rich with beauty and danger, where untold secrets lie buried beneath centuries of rocky overgrowth. But seeking the truths of the past leaves more questions than answers. Who were the old ones, and what caused the collapse of their great civilization? What was Project Zero Dawn? Why do machines roam in otherwise technologically primitive landscape? Hey lore lovers, my name's Eric and welcome to the Lorebrarians YouTube channel, where we share the lore and stories behind many fantasy settings to strengthen the connection between people and their passions. Last week we began our Horizon Explained series with an introduction to the world of Zero Dawn, the topography, the regions that separate the known world, and the tribes that dwell within. If you haven't already, be sure to check out that video for an intro to Zero Dawn, which I'll link below. We continue the series today as we tackle the Earth's ancient past. We'll answer these questions and more as we step into the past and explore the history of the Old Ones. Alright, let's dive in. The Future An ethereal vision of peace and progress, replete with technological advancements that usher in a golden age in harmony with nature, where cities tower on the horizon of a vibrant landscape. In essence, the future is hope. Hope for a better world, a more peaceful existence, a more advanced civilization. But the future of humanity in the world of Zero Dawn fulfills little. It's a time of unbridled intellectual and technological advancement, yes, but without consideration for the impacts of such progress. In the near future, humanity progresses at an uncontrollable rate, creating tools and weapons that harm its connection to the greater world. Refuse, rot, and destruction are the only trail left by countries that always seek the latest and greatest. Humanity's stewardship over Earth goes awry so that by the 2030s, the effects of human-led climate change and geopolitical upheaval fuel widespread destruction. It's not the future of a mankind in harmony with a pristine natural world, but rather one in which humans have exploited the Earth and its finite resources for short-term material benefit. The time period that follows is aptly known as the Great Die-Off, where ice caps melt, sea levels rise, massive tracts of land are deforested, and hundreds of species go extinct around the world. Despite their advancements, the civilizations of man aren't impervious to such natural atrocities. Elevated sea levels plunge islands and entire countries into cold ocean waters, killing hundreds of thousands and leaving millions more without homes, forcing migration on an unparalleled scale. From the ashes of the Great Die-Off emerges a sliver of hope for an uncertain future. New scientific developments create opportunities to not just slow the effects of environmental catastrophe, but reverse them entirely. Leading the innovative crusade are the realms of genetics, nanotechnology, and robotics. Though it showed great promise in ameliorating the symptoms of a dying world, genetic research is cast into doubt and stalled indefinitely when a doomsday cult releases genetically enhanced viral contagions into densely populated urban centers around the world. Similarly, a nanotech disaster that creates a disease like tuberculosis erupts across Indonesia and kills millions. The hopes of nanotech salvation die with them. There's one final glimmer, one spark of possibility that remains for a depleted Earth. Humanity puts its faith entirely into robotics. Specifically, a company named Faro Automated Solutions and its founder Ted Faro. Faro and FAS grow to prominence in the decade following the Great Die-Off due largely to the efforts of the brilliant scientist Elizabeth Sobeck, who champions a line of automated terraformers. These green robots work ceaselessly to detoxify barren landscapes, 
till and fertilize exhausted soils, and bring both the world and humanity back from the brink of collapse. The 2040s mark a period in time called the clawback, in which environmental efforts and advancements in green robotics nullifies the devastation of the great die-off. A collective sigh of relief spreads across the globe as humanity works to restore what was lost. It's a period of growth to be celebrated no matter how slight. The greatest beneficiary of the clawback is Ted Farrow, whose terraforming robots dominate all aspects of environmental renovation. By the end of the 2040s, FAS is fast becoming the largest corporation on Earth, and Farrow the wealthiest, most powerful man alive. Fueled by greed and ambition, Farrow sees a great opportunity within robotics that has been largely left untapped. Military Investment in the years that follow, artificial weapons systems and fully automated militaries become increasingly popular around the globe as many governments withdraw active duty soldiers, unwilling to compete against metal with flesh. The void within warfare is filled by megacorporations that employ and deploy lines of robots in automated ordnance to secure areas rich with ever-diminishing resources. Through duplicity, subterfuge, and bribery, these corporations control leading politicians and create puppet governments used in proxy wars against their competition. Earth is once more at the mercy of human advancement as automated warfare ignites around the globe, and the twilight of hope given by the clawback slips once more into a grim night. After years of secretive research and development, Ted Farrow unveils the latest in FAS ingenuity, the chariot line of peacekeeping robots. The pinnacle of automated technology, the chariot line is highly advanced, well beyond any automated military technology previously developed. These robots are designed to deploy in swarms that work in tandem with one another, share robotic neural networks, and are overseen by a master unit. Even more impressive is their innovative design to be self-replicative and self-sufficient. Chariots have the power to enslave other robotic CPUs on the battlefield, repair and manufacture new robots, and use nanotechnology for biomass conversion as a supplemental source for fuel if supply chains were ever severed. Most impressive of all was the Chariot Lion's operating system, which relied on a polyphasic entangled waveform encryption that prevented hacking of any kind. Additionally, Ted Farrow mandated the OS exclude any backdoor coding, making remote access to the robots by their operators impossible. These abilities allow chariot line robots to remain active indefinitely, a swarm of self-propagating and healing automatons capable of dominating a region with little oversight. FAS soon outclasses all competition, and Ted Farrow becomes a war profiteer of unimaginable wealth and power, as every corporation that can afford the premium buys the chariot peacekeepers. But FAS's transition from terraforming and green robotics to military installations strains Farrow's relationship with the brilliant Elizabeth Sobeck, who breaks from the company to continue her environmental work in hopes of preserving the Earth. The chariot line represents humanity's greatest capacity for destruction, an inexorable force of metallic devastation bound by a frail tether of operator control, a restraint that's severed in the year 2064 with dire consequences. A mysterious glitch within the swarm of the Hearts Timor Collective breaks the robots free of operator control, and the swarm becomes unresponsive to commands or shutdown codes. As per Pharaoh's mandate, there are no backdoor entries or failsafes to reassert control over the derelict swarm, and the chariot line becomes fully autonomous. 
the self-regulating rogue swarm reverts to biomass conversion as its primary fuel source and begins harvesting all organic matter to replicate and propagate. This rogue swarm, now named the Feral Plague, sweeps over other active swarms across the globe and uses its CPU enslavement protocol to corrupt their operating systems and grant them full autonomy. Immediately, the cogs of deception begin turning, as FAS and the Hearts Timor Energy Combine execute campaigns of propaganda meant to conceal the feral plague from the general public, in part to prevent widespread panic and governmental collapse, but also because Ted Farrow and his executives can't themselves face the stark reality that their actions created. But even as knowledge is contained, the feral plague spreads rapidly, fueling its growth with the consumption of all biomatter in its path. The outlook against such an unrelenting and all-consuming force is dire. Humanity is given 15 to 18 months to survive before the feral plague harvests all organic matter on Earth and converts it into a barren, hollow husk of a world. The great peaks of human advancement, of cultural and ecological development, of natural evolution and progress, are doomed to collapse under the burning ashes of hubris. Although this world is forsaken, there's a chance for life to be preserved, for the seed of hope to be planted and burst from the ashes renewed. To this end, a team of the world's foremost authorities and brightest minds, in myriad subjects, gather and deliberate how best to save the future. From them, Project Zero Dawn is born. Project Zero Dawn is the radical solution posed by mankind in the face of inevitable extinction. Led by famed scientist and one-time FAS employee Elizabeth Sobeck, the project is a massive global terraforming system intended to restore habitability and repopulate Earth after the apocalyptic feral plague consumes all matter. It's not victory, but rather a consolation prize, a second chance for life to once more exist on Earth. The core of Project Zero Dawn is Gaia, a supercomputer and AI more advanced than anything created prior, responsible for the trillions of calculations necessary for such a large undertaking. Though Gaia's main task was to break through the Feral Plague's firewall, then create and broadcast deactivation codes to suspend the swarm's activity, she was assisted by nine sub-functions, each responsible for overseeing a vital aspect of the terraforming and repopulation process. Minerva, goddess of wisdom and warfare, would strong-arm Feral Plague failsafes and create comms arrays to broadcast deactivation codes, thus allowing Hephaestus god of the forge and metalworking, to begin construction on massive underground cauldron facilities, from which the terraforming machines would be created. Under the guidance of Aether, god of the skies, and Poseidon, god of the sea, these machines would detoxify the desolate atmosphere and oceans, creating fertile environments once more hospitable to life. Next, Demeter, goddess of the harvest, and Artemis, goddess of the hunt, would use the genetic samples and embryos stored within their repositories to seed the restored earth with plant and animal life. Eleuthia, the goddess of childbirth, would then develop and activate cradle facilities around the earth, gestating and raising generations of humans before releasing them onto the blank canvas of the new world. Eleuthia would be assisted by Apollo, god of knowledge and artistry, who had stored in its archives and databases the entire wealth of human scientific, cultural, and artistic history so that the future generations would learn of the past that created them. Finally, Hades, god of the underworld, waited in dormant standby, and should Gaia's terraforming process fail at any point, it would activate to destroy all that had been created, to wipe the slate clean and begin the process anew. 
Although hundreds of scientists work on Gaia and Zero Dawn diligently, early estimates project that they won't finish the work before the Pharaoh Plague consumes all life. Which is why another project of equally grand scale and vision is launched aside Zero Dawn, Operation Enduring Victory. Enduring Victory is a joint military effort on behalf of the world government spearheaded by General Aaron Harris of the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff and U.S. Robotics Command to grant the requisite time for Project Zero Dawn's completion. At this point, most, if not all of the world's human military forces have been retired for years, so the troops mustered on a scale large enough for Enduring Victory are civilian forces. Average citizens, scared for their lives and uncertain about the mysterious attacks by malfunctioning robots, are outfitted with weapons and shipped to the front lines, where they face utter annihilation against the unrelenting Pharaoh Plague. To maintain morale and keep the world fighting, the leaders of Enduring Victory disseminate the falsehood that Zero Dawn is a program to create a line of superweapons with the power to defeat the Pharaoh Plague, if only the robots can be held at bay long enough for it to be completed. A lie to its core, Enduring Victory isn't meant as a strategy to defeat the Pharaoh Plague, but rather a gambit to buy time for Zero Dawn scientists, as time is the only thing Pharaoh's money can't purchase. As Project Zero Dawn progresses, the Earth becomes increasingly inhospitable. The environmental impact caused by the swarm's advancement and consumption destroys the atmosphere and poisons the waters. Within months, many species are hunted to extinction, while countless others suffocate due to air toxicity. Even humans retreat into sealed and oxygenated bunkers, unable to survive the harsh landscape without a rebreather. The valiant sacrifice of millions on behalf of Enduring Victory grants the Zero Dawn team two years, enough time to complete their project and run diagnostics on Gaia's terraforming process. But humanity crumbles under the relentless drive of the swarm. The front lines get pushed back further and further until a desperate final stand is launched at the Wichita salient in the first month of 2066. The remnants of enduring victory are slaughtered by a massive swarm strike, and all around the globe not remains of the world's once great civilizations, teeming jungles, and clear oceans. Shortly after receiving word of humanity's imminent destruction, the Zero Dawn team seals itself and Gaia Prime within a bunker facility to protect the AI from being discovered by the swarm, and to live out the rest of their natural lives within an underground habitation called Elysium. But a malfunction in the seal puts everything at risk. The opening is large enough for traces of activity to leak out and alert the pharaoh swarm. Dr. Sobek dons an environmental suit, repairs the seal from outside, and sacrifices herself to save humanity's future. A few months beyond zero day, and Gaia seems to be operating smoothly. The alphas of Project Zero Dawn continuously labor to calculate, gather data, and extrapolate results. All the while, Ted Farrell becomes increasingly erratic. He sees their work, and especially that of the subfunction Apollo, not as a blessing, but as a curse placed upon the future. He believes the next generation will be doomed to follow the sins of the past, prompted by poisoned knowledge. Perhaps he wishes to remove his own mistakes, save face, and prevent others from uncovering his culpability. Driven beyond sanity, Ted Farrell plans one final act of desperate absolution. To prevent the humans of the New World from falling to the temptations of the past, Pharaoh purges Apollo's database. The accumulated knowledge and culture of thousands of years of human civilization, from which the nascent generations of the future would rebuild, gone in a flash, 
and with it, the careful plannings of Zero Dawn. He then calls a meeting of all the Alphas within Gaia Prime's facility and murders them, wiping the slate clean and preparing a blank canvas. Decades pass beyond Zero Day, and the Earth is a cold husk devoid of all organic life. Countless machines of the Pharaoh Plague Swarm lie in dormant hibernation, prepared to reactivate and consume any traceable levels of biomatter. All the while, Gaia and her subordinates carry out Project Zero Dawn and focus on deactivating the swarm. Roughly 50 years after life's last breath, Gaia's algorithms successfully hack the Pharaoh Plague encryption, allowing her to break through its firewall defenses. Immediately, Gaia sends Minerva out to construct a terminal from which the codes will be broadcast to deactivate the thousands of Pharaoh Swarm bots scattered across the globe. The remnant of this transmission terminal can be seen in the tower amongst the city of Meridian's backdrop. The spire acts as a holy site for the Karja Sundom. With the Pharaoh Plague finally defeated, Gaia orders the construction of cauldron facilities, where wave upon wave of terraforming green robots are fabricated. For centuries, Gaia and her subordinates detoxify the Earth, undergoing a planet-wide terraforming process that largely reverses the desolation of the Pharaoh Plague. Life and organic matter are seeded across the world. Seas turn blue once more, the lands grow green with flora, and animals again populate fields and forests. It seems Zero Dawn has saved the world and brought humanity back from extinction. But the destruction of Apollo's databases significantly inhibits the education of humanity's new generations. Locked away from the past's knowledge, newly gestated individuals remain in ignorance within Eleuthia's cradle facilities. There they stay, unable to progress through the course set for them by Zero Dawn. In 2326, nearly 300 years after the destruction of the Old Ones, Eleuthia Cradle 9 exhausts all food supplies. It unlocks its doors to allow the first generation of new humans, born and raised with only the rudiments of higher knowledge imparted by automated servitors, to journey forth into the new world and seek, and seek realms uncharted. Without the memory of their past, these humans will struggle to develop new societies, cultures, and beliefs on their journeys as they become the progenitors of all the known tribes of Horizon. The new world is breathtaking but dangerous for this nascent generation of humans, one whose terrain, ruins, and automatons will shape the development of contemporary life as they begin the process of recolonization, a journey that will be covered in the next video of the series. Thank you so much for watching and listening to this video on Project Zero Dawn and the Old Ones. Now I want to hear from you. Let me know your thoughts on the Pharaoh Plague, the Old World, and the extent of human greed and oversight, as well as suggestions for future videos in the comments below. And if you're a fan of lore and storytelling, consider subscribing to the channel or checking out the podcast, where content is uploaded frequently. Again, a huge shout out to all of my Patreon supporters who make all of this possible. I couldn't do it without their spectacular patronage. If you're interested in becoming a lore luminary for access to me, a great community, and early video drops, check out the link below or head to patreon.com slash thelorebrarians to learn more. Special thanks to script editor Kenan Orhan. Until next time, go forth and explore the lore. <laughs>